and who you are is not what you look like in the mirror. Having my hair in my breasts is not what makes me a woman. I'm more confident and comfortable in my body now than I have ever been. And I'm grateful for my body. I'm really glad that I have this big, strong place to carry my soul in my dreams. Hey, I'm Deanna Seymour, a mom, a business owner, and a lady trying to love her body just the way it is. Here's the thing. We all know you've got to make mistakes to learn, but sometimes it can feel like you're the only one getting it wrong. Am I right? I'm on a mission to change that. Because guess what? Nobody's perfect. So let's laugh, learn, and celebrate our mistakes at the Imperfect Party. This week, I want to give a shout out to Design Pirate, who left me the most amazing review on iTunes. She said, Deanna is spot on. I laughed, I cried. I am guilty of everything Deanna talks about and desperately need more of this in my life. I am here for the party. Strangely, I find myself singing Miley Cyrus's We Can't Stop. To my homegirls here with the big butts, shaking it like we had a strip club. Remember, only God can judge us to hate the haters or somebody loves you. <laughs> I totally messed that up. It's our party. We can do what we want. Anyways, she says, thank you for your podcast and courage. I look forward to learning as much as I can from you. Heart emoji. Oh my gosh, I can't even describe how happy it makes me to see that what I'm rambling about here is resonating with some people. Thank you so much for that awesome review. An extra credit for the Miley reference. Love it. And thanks so much for being part of my podcast community. Love you. All right, today I'm talking to Shelly Crick, who is basically the happiest, funniest, most whimsical lady I've ever met. I mean, who can get diagnosed with breast cancer and still find the humor in things that other people would probably be in a puddle on the floor crying? I can't even imagine going through it. I'll tell you who. Shelly. Shelly Crick. That's who. All right. I just want to dive right in because this one is really good. Make sure you listen. Hello, Shelly. How's it going? Hi, Deanna. I am doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm so excited to have you on today. So excited. I am very glad to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. <laughs> and for people who are listening, I just want you to know that this was an imperfect party a second ago. We couldn't get all the technical stuff right, and we've been scrambling a little, so we're going to shake that off and move forward taking imperfect action. Yes. Yes. All right. So, Okay. I did a little internet stalking before we got on this call. I already, <laughs> I already obviously met you and talked to you and love you. But I was like, let me just do a little uh, journal investigative reporting here and find out a little more about Shelly before I get her on the podcast. And I dug up that you also enjoy singing a little tune out loud in your car. Oh, yes. Is that true? Oh, All yes. Right. <laughs> Well, I need to know what's what's your favorite one? Like, which one have you found yourself just belting out like no tomorrow? What's oh my gosh! Best? Oh, okay. Well, I am pretty well known for my eclectic taste in music, so I'll screech to about just anything. I don't really discriminate, but there are some things I can't pass up. Like, "Suspicious Minds" is one of my favorite songs ever, and I don't care who's singing it; I will <laughs> scream along with you. Um, I always sing with the Beatles and Spotify told me the end of last year that the Hamilton soundtrack was my most played album of the year. And nobody in my house is surprised. 
I sing everybody parts. I don't care. And and there's I, I can't be stopped. I should be, but I can't be. Because yeah. I like it doesn't mean I'm any good, but it's fun for me. You know, when I was little, I would, um, I was obsessed with the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. So my mom would have to listen to it like everywhere we went. And I was in the backseat and I thought I was such a good singer that she couldn't tell if I was singing. So I would always be like, hey, can you tell, am I singing or not singing? And she would have to like guess if I was singing or not singing. And she'd always be like, you're singing. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, dang it. (laughs) Like, I thought I was so good that there was no way she'd be able to tell. So I say that is it. a really good game. And I do that now with myself in the car. I'm like, I am so right in here. I am in the pocket. I am right there. They would never know. We could be a choir of like 60 people and it's only my voice. Oh, I'm, I'm glad there's nobody to judge me on that. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's really the safest. That's a safe space to sing for sure. Your car mm-hmm. by yourself. Yeah. Perfect. It's, it's true. So do you do karaoke too, or you're just a car singer? I'm, I like to sing just about anywhere, but I don't often do karaoke. I have a, a lower range and I like to stretch. So I tend towards like the Karen Carpenter, Annie Lennox. So I'm super picky about karaoke and it requires a bit of liquid courage. Yes, so. that is true. The liquid courage helps immensely. Yeah. I tried to do karaoke one time at a theme park. So it was like during the day and I couldn't um, have my liquid courage. And I still feel like I pulled it off okay. It was Dolly Parton's nine to five. I feel like I kind of did okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't as fun for me. I wasn't as comfortable as I would have been had I had a few drinks in me. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder, sometimes the people who look like they're super comfortable, they're not having as much fun as somebody who's up there struggling. Um, (laughs) I am all for power to you. You're doing it. I will stand here in the audience and I will sing along with you and be happier if you're struggling than if you're up there doing a great job. Cause I wanted to listen to the radio. I do that. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not at an actual concert. Everybody calm down. Like the people who are right. too serious. I know. Right. Yes. There's definitely a middle ground of the people who are like way too serious. And then the people who get up there and like, can't even do it like they're still scared when they're up there I'm like all right you're not ready yet you gotta you gotta sit down and come back up in a minute but the people who are just bad but own it that's my favorite yes if you're bad and you own it you're having a much better time and so am I (laughs) I feel like that also goes along with kind of what I tell people about like body positivity and like being your authentic self and your brand it's like you got to be that person who's kind of bad at karaoke but you're still fun and you're still like owning it Mm -hmm. don't be the one who's like really nervous and scared the whole time because nobody like that's awkward for everybody Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah. and too polished no one could relate to so I think it's nice to be right there in that middle ground preach girl yes all right so you are on here today to share an amazing crazy wild story, right? I mean, we've all been struggling right now during this whole pandemic, but your pandemic story takes it to a whole nother level. I mean, you know, I know it's not a contest or anything, but if it was, I think you would win. Just saying. And I would wear that medal proudly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So tell us, tell us the story. Tell us what, what has been happening in your life. Oh, 2020. What have you brought to me? Uh, In January, I was diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma, which is the most common form of breast cancer. Uh, Specifically, I had hormone positive HER2 negative stage three IDC that had metastasized 
into my lymph nodes and was trying to get out into the rest of my body. Uh, no genetic markers, no BRCA2 or anything like that, just estrogen and progesterone fed luck of the draw breast cancer. And I wasn't even 40 yet. I just, ta-da, here you go. Happy 2020. Oh, oh, it's, yeah. I mean, you just said so many big, scary words I know. <laughs> that I just cannot even, I can't even imagine. Well, we jumped right in. Um, they, they're like, here, this is what this is. This is what we're going to do. This is how we beat it. And I didn't question. I, I, this is something they deal with every day. And I hopefully only ever have to hear once. So I'm like, okay, whatever you say, we're going to do. I'm for it. Let's go. And they handed me a schedule. And I, you know, had a moment to come apart with the, this is so much. But we jumped right in. And my treatment started with chemotherapy. So I had a, a power port implanted near my collarbone. I'm now, you know, that much closer to being the Terminator. It's a catheter that goes into one of the large veins that take blood right to my heart. So it spreads chemo drugs straight into my bloodstream. So I don't need to get an IV for every treatment, which is great. It's like being plugged right in. They just poke a little needle in and ta-da, there it goes. So it was super easy. Wow. Yeah. So I did chemo for 16 weeks and I lost all of my hair everywhere oh, uh, oh yeah naked mole rat for sure it was a great summer <laughs> i didn't have to shave my legs and everybody yeah it's early covid so everybody i know was willing to trade their firstborn child for a haircut and i was just kind of <laughs> sucks to be you yeah <laughs> yeah oh my god you oh my gosh you're saying it sucks to be you i mean this is the thing that is incredible to me about you shelly is how you are able to talk about this already. Like, I mean, I have a feeling I didn't know you when you were going through the thick of it, but I have a feeling that you sort of probably had some humor throughout this entire process. I mean, the way you can talk about it now, and it wasn't even that long ago, yeah. is remarkable to me. And I think I'm a pretty funny lady. So tell us more about that. Like, how are you able, how are you able to have this outlook, this vibe? This general positivity that I have. Yes, this like <laughs> sickening level of positivity. No, oh, sickening. First person to barf wins. No, I <laughs> I have a pretty pretty good sense of humor in the first place. And I like to say that my positivity comes naturally. But I had a discussion with myself very early on. I'm like, you can be overwhelmed with this or you can suck it up. And I see it as a survival, not just for myself, but my mental state. I can choose to be angry and mad and accomplish absolutely nothing and force all of that negativity back into my body, which is already pissed at me, or I can accept it for what it is and just move on. And it's easier and healthier for me to say, and I absolutely hate this phrase and I've hated it forever. It is what it is, but mm. it really is what it is. And yeah. I have a love hate <laughs> relationship with that phrase too. I kind of knew that was coming when you were like, I kind of hate this phrase. I was like, I think she's going to say it. I yeah. say iwi. I say iwi sometimes. Oh, iwi. Oh, iwi. That's good. Yeah. So it is what it is. And we do what we have to do so we can get up the next morning and do the next thing. And for me, it hasn't been that hard. And I haven't, I don't want to be angry and I don't want to be mad or sad all the time. And I'm not going to let this experience define me. It's okay that things can go to crap. Things can go completely to shit and I'll still be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have a choice, right? Sometimes they go completely to shit and then you can either stay in the shit or you can try to 
right. move past it, you know? Yep. But it's it's so much easier said than done. I feel like right now just listening to you, I'm like, oh, yeah, cancer <laughs> is what it is. Let's just get it. Get it, girl. Like, I'm like, how? How did you do it? It's just mindset, though. It's mindset. And I I had a couple hard days, but I told myself, again, in that discussion, with, I talk to me a lot. I know. Yeah. yeah. I had that discussion. I'm like, okay, you're going to have bad days. Things are going to be bad, but I'm going to give you one day. You get one day to really, really wallow. So it had better be worth it if you can't have it today. <laughs> so save it. Save it for that day, and then we'll sit in our jammies and we'll eat ice cream, and we'll watch Christmas movies in July, and you'll have one really good, miserable day. <laughs> and I haven't needed it, because I haven't had a day where I'm, like, that miserable. I've had days where I'm, like, I feel really, really crap, and I'm going to lay here, and I'm going to have a, a sniffle. But I haven't had a come apart, and I'm going to have to just use that day for fun now, because I've reserved it. But I haven't, I haven't yeah. needed it. Well, okay, so super positive lady, love <laughs> it. You've been so positive about it. I wanted to ask you kind of how this journey has changed the way you think about your life, or even if it was like a scary thing where you had to think about the time you have left or your goals or what you're going to do, like all that deep stuff that I assume, because obviously I've, ne I've never gone through anything like that. What like talk more about maybe um if that even happened for you i mean i feel like you're so chill about it i'm like were you even scared did that even happen like tell us more about what was going on in your head about that kind of stuff well we went from chemo and then we did a bilateral mastectomy and axillary lymph node dissection and then we went into radiation so it's kind of been like ongoing and i feel felt a little bit like it's all the time and it's never going to end What's going mm. on? Are we ever going to be the end? Now we're done with this part and I've got to wait six weeks before we do something else because they want my body to heal. But my brain is all, okay, let's go. Yeah. So, yeah. Like last year I participated in a, a leadership course where I work, where I spent some time working out what was important to me, identifying my purpose and values and figuring out my why. And I set some goals and some milestones for the next five to 20 years. And I felt pretty confident in what I was doing. And then 2020 stuck its tongue out at me. And, and, and I had a moment as things were kind of settling down where I sat and I took a breath and I found myself looking at those values and priorities and purpose and thinking, well, I'm not even 40. And what if it's no longer five to 20 years? What if, what if it's only five, maybe 10? And yeah. even if that's not true, and I've got all the time in the world, what am I willing to put off and what am I not? So I had to start reevaluating some of these goals that I had set that suddenly weren't as important as the other things were. And my values are still the same. So I much must have done the right work there. So community <laughs> and connections and whimsy and experiences and not things. But my purpose and goals have shifted a little bit. And I hate to think that this cancer experience is what helped me realize who I am and what's important to me. But sometimes these kind of life shifting things where you walk outside and you throw all your marbles in the air and then you, which ones are you going to catch? Which ones are mm -hmm. the important ones? Which glass ball can you sacrifice? I'm going to save my family and these other things that I really feel strongly about. And that's yeah. shifted a bit. So how, how has it shifted for you? Do you mind talking a little bit about maybe like something you thought was important or 
a real focus that maybe now you're like, Meh, maybe I'm going to change directions and do this. Like, yeah, sure. I had, um, I'm a graphic designer by trade and profession. So I've got all of this experience and knowledge and education. And my focus had been in reaching out and leading other graphic designers, other innovative people who are wanting to do more creative works. And my purpose had been kind of to foster creative curiosity, to help people with their fierce curiosity. Jump in, the net will appear. What do you need to do? How can I help you? And Mm -hmm. my goal had been to move into a creative director position where I could help mentor and coach some younger maybe not younger by age, but newer graphic designers and help them Mm -hmm. find their direction. You know, some people fly, some people teach people to fly. I want to teach people to fly. Yeah. And my direction and goal has kind of changed a little bit. And at the moment, my, what I want to do is take still that education and experience and support specifically women who have gone through the kind of experience that I've gone through. So breast cancer warriors and survivors who are standing in that same place where I found myself stepping outside, throwing all my marbles in the air and deciding which ones to take. How can I help people who are going through the same thing make those decisions? Because some people don't get the opportunity that I did where I sat down and it was a focus group of work on your values and your priorities Mm -hmm. and shift what you think is important in your life. So somebody else walks out there and goes, shit, what do I do? And so where I'm focusing now is trying to build a place for women as a safe circle of women to come together and share their experiences, their stories and their thoughts and ideas on how to rebuild themselves after they've been broken down. So it's not mentoring creative people anymore. It's helping coach people, women on rebuilding their lives and redefining themselves at a time when maybe they didn't expect to have to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who, I mean, whoever really expects to have to do that? I mean, I guess there are some other situations where you would kind of have to do that, but like, I mean, this is a situation where you don't really have a choice. I guess, I mean, I guess you do have a choice, but it certainly makes you start to think. And also I think it is a skill to try to sort that stuff out that not everybody has. And it sounds like you really have navigated this. Yeah. Flaw- I was going to say flawlessly, but I, we're, you're at the oh, imperfect yeah. party, so I'm sure you messed up. Oh, a yeah. No, 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 I'm real good at messing it up. If there's an opportunity for me to kick something and fall down, I will find it. But it's, and I know that everybody's experience is different. And that's the thing is breast cancer. And people look at it and they're breast cancer, big word, you're going to die. No, it doesn't mean that anymore. A lot of it is, mm-hmm. a, it's, your med- it's your medicine and how you're treated and your team and all of that. But a lot of it, I think really boils down to your mindset and how you approach it. And you can curl up and curl into yourself and just let things happen to you or you can happen to them and how you approach it and what you do with that information and that knowledge in your body and how you are accepting of this horrible thing. You can work together or you can work against yourself. Yeah. Well, um, Oh, I feel I I'm sorry I do this where I'm like listening so intently and just imagining and like I'm just so I'm like an empath and I'm like what would I oh my god this is so much and I keep going back to also this is a word you said like minutes and minutes ago but you said the word whimsy yeah. 
I guess, in reference to you. And I just wanted to point out that I think that is a great word. I think it fits you perfectly. And I think when you do start really making this your thing, I don't want you to forget about that word. I, I feel like I've been distracted since you said it to be like, I need to tell Shelly that word is perfect for her. So I don't know if you already use that word a lot to describe you and yourself, but it's perfect. Uh, thank you very say. much. I've established it as one of my values. So I'm very glad that it actually sticks. <laughs> it's perfect. Like when you said it, I was like, that is perfect. And I feel like my brain has sort of been oh, stuck on that. So I need to get oh, that off you. my chest and then I can move <laughs> forward with my life. Um, but it never be the same again. It's great. I need to incorporate that word into my vocabulary a little more often as well. Well, how has the journey also changed maybe like how you view your body? I know we kind of met to talking about body positivity and all that jazz. And I would love to hear just more about your okay. journey with well, that. I, you know, I never got mad or angry or felt betrayed by my body. Like some people do when they get their breast cancer diagnosis. They're like, How could you do this to me? I, I, I did have a moment, mm-hmm. you know, where I talked to myself and I was like, hey, the deal was I give you tacos and you provide my brain a nice, luxurious ride. What gives? <laughs> What's happening here? I thought we had a deal. But like I hit six foot in the fifth grade. I was 10 years old and then boom, big old boobs just out there where people could see them. And, you know, some felt they had the right to touch them, which is kind of dickish. And I've Mm -hmm. always been horribly self-conscious and super aware of how large I am. And as I got older, I took on more of a Rubenesque figure, you know, in some periods of time I'd have been quite worshipped, but not right now, but I'm a, a big, imposing, large, shadow-casting, plus-size woman, and I was hyper-aware of that, and I've always tried to make myself smaller and take up less space, and my doctor talked to me early on about my options for removing my cancer tumors, and I opted for a uh, bilateral mastectomy with an aesthetic f- flat closure. I asked him to remove both of my breasts and all of my breast tissue. And I did not do a reconstruction. I went flat. No more boobs. No more bras. <laughs> no more bras. Oh, nice. Uh, Talk about hey, a silver lining. I don't mean to be I, insensitive. I'm but fine dang. with that. I'm like, you know what? You know what? I can wear ruffles now. <laughs> yeah. And I can wear yeah. a crew neck t-shirt and not feel like I'm trying to kill myself. But I've had no regrets mm-hmm. about that. And there's something about losing your hair and your eyebrows, and your nose hair, and a big portion of your body that you, you've you had most of your life that makes you realize that none of that shit is important. And who you are is not what you look like in the mirror, and having my hair in my breast is not what makes me a woman. I'm more confident and comfortable in my body now than I have ever been, and I'm grateful for my body. I'm, I'm thankful that she held together so strong while I was literally pulling her apart and feeding her poison and mm. cutting parts off. And that sounds a bit disassociative, but I'm really glad that I have this big, strong place to carry my soul in my dreams. And I think we deserve more tacos because yeah, <laughs> we have done this thing and we're still strong and, and, and I'm okay. So how I feel about my body I'm more thankful for it. And I, we get along now much better than we ever have. Oh, I mean, that is just, I don't know. I'm like, seriously, I am about to cry over here because it's just so sad to me that you 
I'm being super That's weird okay. right now. Sorry. It's but... all right. You know, it's a hard thing and it's a something that people shouldn't ever have to go to. And it comes to that point, especially when you're very aware of your body and you're very self-conscious about it and you don't know quite what to do with yourself. And I, and I, I hate that it takes this, but sometimes it takes something hard. It's like that relationship builder. When you meet that new person and you don't know each other really well and you go through something really hard together, you come out on the other side more linked than you ever were. Yeah. Yeah. And what do they say? That one saying that's like uh, nothing unites people right. like a common enemy. So like just, I, it just makes me sad that we're spending so much of our life not being friends yeah. with our bodies, that it, it takes something like this. And and I just get nervous because I feel like people hear stories like this and they're like, oh, that's really great for her, but yeah. I still want to lose blah, blah, blah amount of, you know, it's just like, it's so hard for it to sink into people. And I just makes me so emotional obviously and I'm like whoa I'm supposed to be the funny lady this is crazy but I just you are just so inspiring to me I just feel like the way you the message you have is obviously so powerful but the way you deliver it is just awesome I just oh thank you very much that's very it is it is a hard thing and, and how you feel about your body and then breast cancer itself. So many people don't want to talk about it. And that's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you hear about it all the time, but you don't really hear about right. it. It's all very surface. Like it's very pink, very uh, ribbony, do a walk, but really diving in deep with somebody and talking about like you mentioned right. those hairs. I'm like, oh, right. nose hair. Like, cause you know, people have the party where everybody shaves their head or what, like I, you just think of the hair on your head, but eyelashes, eyebrows, I've never really even thought about that. And that's not even getting that deep, like as deep as we've gone today, but it's just shows you how surface a lot of the stuff that we all see. Oh, about yeah. breast cancer and is. that's a, that's a big qualm that I had, especially when I first started looking and doing some research. I'm like, okay, everybody talks about you're going to lose your hair. Okay. Okay. Just your hair. What about the hair you have everywhere? I will tell you, I lost all the hair on all my body over different periods of time. And at one point I am this, this super, super fuzzless being chasing my husband around with my butt going, my butt is so soft. Touch it. Touch it. (laughs) It's like baby stuff. There is nothing. There's there's no fur. There's no peach fuzz. There's no nothing. Like the little fur on your toe knuckles, gone. Like you don't realize your nose hair is important until you're eating and it's just running and you don't know because there's nothing there to tickle. Like wow. it's it's fantastic. Yeah. My poor husband. He's like, get your butt away from me. Touch my butt. But nobody talked about that. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody, they, like, you're going to lose your hair, and this is going to happen, and you're going to hurt, and it's going to be miserable, but they don't talk about the bone pain. They don't talk about giving yourself a shot in the tummy to rebuild your bone marrow. They don't talk about what happens to your fingernails. They don't talk about what happens to half your friends. What oh, happens God. to your fingernails? Well, <laughs> no, it's like some people have real problems with their teeth, and their, their teeth and the bone marrow, the bones in their teeth start to get really gum- yucky. But your fingernails, they get, um, depending on the kind of chemo drug you're on, because there's lots of different kinds, because why would we use just one? Um, they can yeah. turn brown. You get brown splotches where the calcium and stuff builds up. And then as they're growing out, chemo is done. And the bottom layer of my fingernails started to peel, like underneath, like underneath a little white part. And I'm like, Ooh. what is this? 
Why are we appealing? Some people lose their toenails, lose their fingernails. Nobody talks about this stuff. I imagine, I don't have any children, but I imagine that it's kind of like childbirth, something more people are familiar with. You're going to have a baby. You know it's going to hurt. You know you might get an epidural. Nobody really talks about pooping on the thing and running the kid through the... Nobody talks about that. There's all that other stuff that you kind of know because you've done it, but you don't talk about it in your group. Yeah, I had a C-section with my daughter and I was like, wait, I still have to bleed for a bunch of weeks, like from I bleeding like that. I thought that would only be if I had like, a, you know, vaginal birth. Like now I'm that, that. And then I was like, well, I guess it makes sense. It's still in there. Like the baby was still yeah. in there and stuff. But it's just little things like that that yeah. you're like, and hey, nobody told me that. I took a exactly. lot of classes. What the and, hell? Yeah. And everybody's <laughs> everybody's experience is completely different. And the. I'm pretty open about it. I've, I've, when I went looking for information, I went looking to people that I knew and nobody was talking. And I know like one in eight people deals with breast cancer. And I say people because men get breast cancer too. Like Beyonce's dad had breast cancer, but men get it too. But one in eight people will get breast cancer. So I know somewhere in my group, there's somebody else and they're not talking. So I've been pretty open about it because I want to be accessible. I want people to be comfortable talking to me about it. Um, And people don't want to dwell on the big C word and the pain that it brings to themselves and their families and the weakness they think they see in themselves. So they keep it to their immediate circle, but it's scary. And women think of their breasts as so much a part of themselves and their identity and their sexuality that to have something wrong with their breasts means there's something wrong with them as a person. So they don't talk about it and it hurts and it's painful. And you, if you talk about it, it's real. Like my husband found my lump and he was being a butt. He was trying to get somewhere and I was batting him off and he found it. And he said, what is that? And as soon as I touched it and felt it, I knew instantly what it was. There was no doubt. I'm like, oh, well, that's cancer. But he didn't want me to say it out loud because saying it meant that it was real. But we have to say it out loud and we have to talk to people about it. So I will talk to anybody and I'll be honest. Um, People need to know. And when I went looking for this information and I couldn't find it, I figure if I, the more I talk about it, not being a like advertisement about it, but like waving my (laughs) pink flags everywhere. No, I don't want to do that, but I want to be accessible. And if somebody's going through this or they hear about that, or someday they get that dreaded phone call, they can call me and we'll, drink coffee or tea or bourbon, whatever you want. And we will (laughs) talk about it and I will advocate. And like I said, everybody's journey is different. And I had to do surgery and radiation. And I, my next scheduled program is to get my ovaries removed because my cancer is fed by estrogen and progesterone. And that's what they're doing is pumping that shit out. So, so I'll wake up after that surgery in a murderous rage of menopause. I'm sure that'll be fun for everyone in my household, <laughs> but I, the more open and honest I am about it someday, someone will need me and I want to be here because I couldn't find what I was looking for. And that's why I talk about it. Well, I can't, I think, you would be the best person to have in someone's corner if they're going through this. I think that you are the perfect mix of empathy 
real talk and whimsy. Oh, look at you go. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's awesome. Well, let me ask you this. This is perfect. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Maybe there's someone listening who like already hopefully maybe doesn't, but maybe does already need to talk to you about the same, same situation. But even if not, I feel like people should follow you anyways. <laughs> so where oh, do we find you? The best place to find me is on Instagram um, at sjcrick, uh, crick, C-R-I-C-K. That's, that's where you can find me. I'm trying to be more present. I've taken some time away while I, you know, do the breathing and the fighting and the work and family stuff, but I want to be more present. So I'm on Instagram. Um, you can talk to me there, send me a message and I will write you back. Love it. Well, also, since this is a party, I want to know what is the best party you've ever been to? Oh, sweet Moses. Okay. Um, best party. Okay. So like nearly 20 years, shit, 20 years ago. God, I need to get out more. I, uh, I worked at a beautiful luxury hotel and restaurant in the Berkshires in Western Massachusetts. Okay. I know uh, it was, it was great. Um, all of the kitchen and service staff were from other countries and they were working their way through a hospitality program before they went home to England, Germany, China, France, whatever. And I tell you, you haven't been to a party until you've been to a party where everyone there is a professional chef, like a straight up working Mm -hmm. chefy chef. So like it's summer in New England and you're all inside because that's where the kitchen is. And there's 10 people who all know what the hell they're doing. And they're volleying around for space and they don't care that it's hot and that food and wine keeps coming and the music is from all over the world and you have no idea what's going on, but the pastry chef just rolled up. So let's see what she's bringing to the party tonight. And these, <laughs> these folks, they work so hard and they played hard and my God, could they party? And my whole first summer there was amazing and I don't think I slept for three months. That's where I learned to drink. <laughs> I loved every second of working with these people. That sounds awesome and delicious. (laughs) No, it was so good. Some guys in there working with a lobster. Somebody else has procured like pork belly and he's been standing over a bonfire for hours. Somebody else is making pasta because they caught a whim. I'm like, right? Yeah. This is the kind of party where I should be. Oh my gosh. And I'm like a box of mac and cheese. I'm like, not fancy. (laughs) I'm like, come on over and do your best. I'm like, right. When's the pastry chef out? Because she's coming with whatever's left over. Oh my yeah. gosh. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Shelly, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story. I really do seriously just love the way you've tackled this whole thing. And I also love that you kind of hate it is what it is, but you also know that it is what it is. <laughs> I feel exactly the same way because it's so annoying, but it's also kind of true. So... I'm just so happy I got to connect with you and I can't wait to keep following your journey. I'm hooked. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm glad to talk to you and I'm, it's a thing that needs talking about and I'm happy to do it. So thank you for having me here with you, Deanna. Thank you, girl. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. It's so crazy how it can take something as scary and big as cancer to allow someone to finally be friends with their own body. I'm so glad that I didn't have to go through something that shocking to start my journey to being kinder to myself. But I mean, I just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy that it takes something that big to shake you up and make you be friends, like be friends with your body. 
I just can't stop thinking about how that quote, like nothing unites two people like a common enemy. And I think the idea of thinking about your body as another person, like a person you could be friends with, call a truce with, fight a common common enemy with, is just such a powerful visual for me. I can't stop thinking about it. I love it. I want you to be on the same team as your body, taking on the whole world, not having this internal struggle all the freaking time. Like, team up, be friends, take on the world. Your next step is to call a truce with your body. The idea of Shelly spending most of her life trying to be small is really heartbreaking, I think. You know, what are you doing rather than embracing who you are? Do less of that and do more of showing up as your authentic self. Okay, don't don't let it have to be something big like cancer that happens to you for you to do that, for you to give yourself permission to do that. Your next step is to just be friends with your body. To grab all the links from today's episode, check out the show notes at deannaseymour.com backslash 14. See you next time. Oh, and if you liked today's episode, can you do me a favor and click the subscribe button and leave a review? It'll help more women just like you join the party. And you'll get an official Imperfect Party pin in the mail. Just saying. And remember, the beauty's in the imperfections.